from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Something was bothering him. Something not quite right. Hello, and welcome to the program. Thank you. My name is Hunter, and I'm in, uh, joined as I am every, twice every week by the indomitable Hugh. Yes, you are. Hello. And I'm also joined by my trusty old friend, the blood orange uh, screwdriver. Rather trusty old friend, the bag of salt vinegar chips. And I, for my part, am joined by a blood-red tipple of port and a bowl of delicious hard pretzels. Mm. And this is Scratch One, a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the works of Michael Crichton. Is he a doctor? I thought he was like a dropout of medical school. Could we call him Dr. Michael Crichton? (laughs) Maybe he is a, a doctor. I don't know. Okay, Dr. Michael Graydon. Maybe he has like an honorary degree or something. I'm sure he would. So I feel I feel uh, I feel um, confident in my um, assertion. Uh, but um, hold on, the name of this book says John Wang. Um, oh, we must have read the wrong book. Oh no, you you actually read the right one because this is a pseudonym that Crichton wrote his first like six or seven novels under, ah. including the last one, Odds On, and this one, Scratch One. Uh, and today we're going to go into the next exciting chapter, chapter 14, which I think, uh, not to spoil anything, is the best chapter of this book so far. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, those exciting events, we have to recount a little bit what happened previous to this. So in the last chapter, Carr, the fact that Carr had been mistaken for the killer Morgan was revealed to Carr. Um, but unfortunately, he has been set up to die, basically, by the U.S. consulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's where we <laughs> pick up, basically. Wait, wait, that wasn't correct. Sorry. Oh, what did I fuck up on? So the way, the way you phrased it suggested that Carr became aware that he had been mistaken for... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows that he's not... He knows that people thought he was someone called Morgan, but he doesn't know who Morgan is. He doesn't know the extent That's true, but he, of the he knows that he was conspiracy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he knows he was mistaken for someone, but he knows nothing about the overarching scheme, right? No. Basically, he's just been let go from the consulate because it's actually good for them that uh, he resembles this Morgan fellow because it will take the heat off um, while they try and secrete the new assassin into Nice. Secrete. <laughs> yeah, secrete. <laughs> it's a strange choice of word. It was, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that's why I said it's agreed. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, yeah. I support the observation that it was a strange choice of words. <laughs> but uh, I have fluency disorder, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I'd be an ableist. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna cancel me live on the air? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, whatever. So so yeah. Back to business for Mr. Carr. I'm Hunter Sawyer and I'm a racist. So basically nothing changed as far as Carr is concerned. Right. Right. He's he's going he's gone back to his business. He's gone back to being a bumbling bumble. Yep. So before uh, I think I guess we should resolve why Carr isn't feeling quite right, which is that he doesn't have a hangover. Ah, oh, that's fun. Wow. Because because apparently being in love means he no longer have hangovers. <laughs> mm. and, he, and we get confirmation that he did not smash Anne. He just uh, lightly necked. Um, but, uh, Carr is a hungry boy, so he eats an enormous breakfast, and then he needs to satisfy another desire of his. What does he desire? I don't know. Does he go to the toilet? Coffee! Oh. Where, if you're in, if you're in the beautiful city of Nice in France, where is he? Yeah, I guess he's in Nice now. Where would you go to satiate his desire? Café? Un café? Yeah. So he heads off to the cafe, and he orders a Café Noir. Mm-hmm. And the service seems to be a little slow. Mm. And uh, two men uh, start crowding in on his booth space, but he's like, huh, that's just these fucking French places, am I right? <laughs> right, so, uh, you know, eventually his coffee uh, comes, right? Yep. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, it's been poisoned. <laughs> Damn it. And what happens to him? So basically the sequence of events from here is that um, Carl gets knocked out by whatever chemical has been put into his coffee. Mm. Um, The men who are sitting around him uh, start bundling him into a car. But lo and behold, a hapless policeman happens to walk upon the scene and uh, he stops the men from putting um, Carl into a car. And he thinks that Carr is merely drunk, so he decides to take him to the police station. <laughs> Makes sense to me. And <laughs> uh, once again, uh, Brower is proved to be just as bumbling, if not more so, than <laughs> so our Apple protagonist. <laughs> How many times have they tried to kidnap this like random like lawyer? <laughs> uh, six. <laughs> Twice with poison. <laughs> and w- why does the police stop him from being taken? I don't. I didn't get that part at all. If he's drunk and they're taking him off the street anyway, why should it be the policeman's business? And, but a larger question I have is, like, why include the seed in the novel? <laughs> anyway, um, he eventually comes back to consciousness in an interrogation room with uh, Captain Vicar, mm. who he had previously had dealings with. And uh, Vicar realises at this juncture that um, he doesn't he doesn't actually know what, what's going on. He's actually innocent. Mm. And uh, he lets him go. Some more, uh, yeah, we get a little more, uh, you know, <laughs> recap. <laughs> yeah, he just says, be careful. Like, yeah. Yep. And then he, he advises uh, Roger to flee the country. And does he do that? No. He's got some business to take care of with the villa. He's contacted about the villa and, you know, they make a plan to meet up at the villa in the afternoon. <laughs> and then we get a absolutely endless scene. <laughs> yes, of what? Of uh, 
uh, Anne and Carr going to have a picnic. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's a little more of that great witty <laughs> repartee. But I mean, I quite I quite liked this scene to be honest, just because it was it was peculiar, and I was trying to picture exactly the. I was trying to picture the exact geography of what uh, Crichton was describing, mm. um, where they, they go for a drive uh, up a winding road that, that traverses a mountain. They go through a gorge of some sort, mm. um, and the, the road is, like, cut into the mountain. And then they, like, scale down a, an incline towards, like, a, a small river, almost like a canal. And uh, it's like they're scaling a rock face and Kara is having difficulty and he slips and falls about, but they manage to get to this, like, secluded little beach. Mm. And they make love, right? I don't think they do. They just have a picnic. Well, that's implied. They kiss, but they just have a picnic. I think they made love. I think they just have a picnic. I'm reading between the lines here, man. But, uh... I just thought it was strange. Like I just, I just, it was just odd, and that's why I appreciate it because it wasn't the rest of the novel. Mm. Uh, I did not appreciate it because, uh, like a couple other chapters, but this one I thought was especially excruciating because of how long it was. It, it actually reminded me of of the good old days of Odds On, <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, it does uh, echo. for a drive. <laughs> it does echo one of the sequences in that novel in which mm. uh, Brian, I think it was Brian and. What was the name of the... Annette. Annette, yeah. So a similar name as well. They go to like a secluded beach that only she knows about. Mm. So it's quite similar. And then he has like a weird out-of-body experience. Um, but it just had like a different flavour, even to the rest of Odds On. And, and, and so, so too does this uh, sequence have a different flavour to the rest of Scratch 1. It, it felt like... I mean, honestly, it's busy work. Like there was no reason to like... Narrate this in such detail. It, it felt like such filler. <laughs> this entire chapter is nothing but filler. None of the events in this need to happen. We don't need to watch Brower fail to kidnap Carr for the fifteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just have a picnic. There's no other like important information that's revealed. <laughs> that's but it. <laughs> literature is not just about imparting information, my friend. Wasn't this evocative of place? <laughs> Not if you're trying to make a uh, 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 (laughs) thriller. (laughs) It's good to have a sense of pace, which uh, Craig desperately lacks in this novel, at least. Mm. Is that the the end of the chapter? That's that's all that happens? They eat some chicken and shit. He eats some chicken, she doesn't. She eats an orange. Um... But I think uh, because this episode is so short, because basically nothing happens in this chapter, we should introduce or reintroduce a... uh, uh, old favorite segment that we've been to do for a couple weeks, uh, which is uh, I don't remember the name. Uh, that plot twist got a shook. Why did he write this book? We've researched for weeks and we've got the receipts. We're sadden, cradle, sadden, cradle, sadden, cradle, sadden, cradle. And let's see if the man himself can shed some light on the text. I'm just going to hit play on this audio cassette that I've got in my hand right now. Go for it. Ka-chunk! In trying to think about how these questions can be resolved, it occurs to me that in the progression from 
S-E-T-I, to nuclear winter, to secondhand smoke, to global warming. We have one clear message, and then that is we can expect more and more problems of public policy dealing with technical issues in the future. Problems of ever greater seriousness where people care passionately on all sides. And at the moment, we have no good mechanism to get good answers. So I will propose one. That's where the tape leaves off. Wow, th- thanks, thanks, Mr. Crichton. Well, that really changed my mind about the section we just read. Uh, yeah, me too. Anyway, that's the end. Goodbye. All right, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Play in theme now. Oh.